This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm going to say three words and see if any of you know what they mean. Technology, entertainment, and design. Anyone know those words? Technology, entertainment, and design. You guys are like, yeah. Anyone know why I would bring up those three words? Ah, someone got it. TED Talks. How many of you have heard of TED Talks? How many of you knew that a TED Talk was technology, entertainment, and design? Yeah, that's what I thought. Significantly less than have heard of TED Talks. So they've, they've heard of TED Talks, and they thought, maybe it's just TED talking to us. Like, this is just a guy named TED who's just talking. Well, it's not. TED Talks are supposed to be the cutting edge of technology, of entertainment and design, so that now you can, you can connect online and, and you can hear these speakers who are supposed to be, like, the leading edge of what's happening. You would know it. You'd have a front row. Uh, and being invited to give a TED Talk is kind of a way to make your career do what? I mean, just take off so much so there are TED Talks and then there are what? There are like pre-TED Talks. So like there are sites that are sponsored by TED Talk, but not really a TED Talk. But you could say TED Talk about the event, but it's not really a TED Talk so that your career could not go off this way, but just go off a little bit. Now, why do I bring up so much of this? I bring it up because, boy, do we love feeling that we know something no one else knows. We just love to think that we've got like the most important thing. Like, you know, if you were a real good TED Talk, you're like, wow. You know, I just you know, wish Pastor would talk more like a TED Talk. That'd be great, because I would like that more. It'd be more engaging. A good TED Talk. You know, just a little flair uh, at the tail end of it. We always want to find the next thing. And TED Talks, now you can do it where? Any, any point from your, from your phone. So, I mean, you have knowledge now right here. So you don't need uh, other things. But I bring up TED Talks because there's this penchant uh, that we like things uh, that everyone else likes. Whether you know this or not, I mean, now we even have terms for it, right? So if a TED Talk goes viral, that's actually a good thing or a bad thing? That's good, which is weird, because growing up, if my mom said, oh, I see, see you're in your classroom, something must have gone viral. It's a bad thing, very bad. Like the teacher would be upset. Now, if a teacher hears something in your classroom went viral, they're like, yes, we did it. I mean, hopefully it's a good, a good thing uh, that, that went forward. Right now, my kids are still in elementary school. Most things are still good that go viral. Uh, but as we said, that this idea of going viral is something that we, we want, every, everything to be out there. And especially a TED Talk, because it's new, uh, and we always like new stuff, because old stuff is, yeah, it's old, and we don't, we don't like old, do we? No, because old is old, yeah, yeah. You see how we just kind of get in this, this cycle uh, of what that looks like, which is stunning, because with each year, we all get older, but we don't want to talk about that. That's, uh, that's the darker side of this whole conversation. But we always want more. We want more connections. We want more likes. We want more. And again, not, not even has to be about social media. It's just the fact that you want what you're saying to get a bigger spread. Like you can like your church, but you wish your church was just a little bit, a little bit bigger. I mean, you liked the way we sang that hymn, but it would have been nice if it had just 10 more voices. I mean, we really liked uh, that picnic we had, but it would have been nice if we had two more families attend, you know? VBS was good, but four more families would have made it really, really humming. We always want more. 
but how quickly we forget what is in front of our eyes. Now, before we step into Proverbs, I want to just remind you uh, of where we've been. So we have been reading as a congregation the scriptures. Started in Genesis at the start of the year, and today we find ourselves at Proverbs. But we've got to go back to history, because history gives us context. Uh, and we're going to go back and look at 1 Kings 3 briefly. So if you're in Proverbs, you can stay there. Don't worry, I'm headed there. But 1 Kings 3 reminds you a lot about the person who pens the majority of Proverbs. Solomon is asked, uh, well, David's not able to build the temple. Solomon's going to build the temple. Uh, God's real happy uh, with what's happening and says, Solomon, anything you want, anything that you want, I I would grant to you. Uh, And he asks for wisdom, doesn't ask for money, doesn't ask for power, doesn't ask for anything. He says, just, I would like wisdom because I want a discerning heart to be able to lead your people. That's what Solomon, the one who will be king to follow David, asked for. 1 Kings 3.12 records the response then from God to that request. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. You've got to know this before you read Proverbs. There's no one wiser than Solomon, whoever was before him, and no one wiser after him. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the world's best TED Talk. Ever. Ever. And the crazy thing is, you probably hadn't read all of Proverbs. Some of you still haven't. But you did see a really awesome TED Talk last night. You really want to tell somebody about it because it's really cutting edge. God gives us this description of who Solomon is. He's right before your eyes. He's been hidden in the wide open. But he doesn't have a lot of likes online, you know. King Solomon's not trending. And since he's not trending, I'm probably not going to watch that. But I did watch an obnoxious video about a squirrel 18 times. You got to see it. So you laugh about it because you've seen some variation, I'm sure, of a squirrel video. (laughs) And probably watched it more than you read Proverbs. So as we step into Proverbs, what we want to do is find out what's happening. If the wisest person that has ever lived were to write a book, what would it look like? Well, we get a few examples of that. Because we get some in Proverbs, we'll get some in Ecclesiastes, we'll get more in Song of Solomon. So the neat part is we get a whole lot uh, that's shared with us. But the book opens in the first seven verses. So if you're not there yet, uh, go there. If your app isn't ready yet, get it there. So we're in Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You have either met this person or you are this person. The person who does not like to be instructed. The person who does not like to be taught wisdom. I know that seems harsh to tell you, but I guarantee at some point in your life you have been that fool because you thought you had it all figured out. You don't realize that until it's normally too late or you've already been corrected and then you realize, yeah, that person knows that I was a fool, so I probably don't need to bring it up because they've kind of realized that I've changed from what I said I was going to do and I'm now doing exactly what they suggested. But that's where Solomon begins. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You've got to understand where you fit into God's narrative. Uh, You've heard me say it over the years. There's this uh, wonderful little reminder that sets us in place. God is God and you are, and you are not. I'm not trying to make it simple. I'm just trying to make it a place that we can all be clear. God created you. You didn't create God. 
Some might tell you that God is a construction of your mind. Those who don't attend church, oh, well, you know, I, I'm not sure what that is. No, no, no. God made you. Of that we are certain. So as one who is made in God's image, I don't get to remake God in my image. God is going to continue reshaping me each and every day of my life. So this refrain, the fear of the Lord, is repeated again and again and again, specifically in the first nine chapters as we get this discussion of what wisdom looks like. Solomon doesn't start, though, with this kind of nice, gushy, neighborly feeling of God that some of us might want. Like, you know, the God that you'd go to, uh, oh, why am I blanking right now, uh, cookout. He doesn't paint the picture that God is like, go to cookout with me. He's not like the, let's go have uh, lunch together God. He paints a picture of a God who actually is what? Almighty, sovereign, divine, above us, who has things laid out, whose majesty is beyond what I can fathom. And when I understand that, then, then I can proceed forward. Solomon paints a picture of a God who actually has the world in his control who actually has things in a place that there is something that we can expect from God, and it is his wise counsel, his guidance, and his protection. But to get that protection and that guidance, there's something we have to do, and it's a repeated refrain. So here we get one of it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But listen to this repeated theme in the Old Testament. This is from Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Psalm 1, verse 2. Meditate on the word of the Lord day and night. Leviticus 26, 3. Walk in my statutes, observe my commandments. God repeatedly tells through his people, you actually have to do what? You actually have to follow him. You actually have to listen to what God's saying. Hear, O Israel, walk in my word day and... Oh, come on, just Sunday mornings, right? I mean, just Sunday morning. It's the only time pastor's really watching. Because I know roughly where he lives and kind of get where he'd be, so I just go to other stores and kind of can avoid that overlap. So I'm good. I just give him Sunday mornings. And he, man, he's, he's so happy with me. Because that's what it's about, right? Just make pastor happy. <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie. That's great. I love it. And I know she says it jokingly because guess what? I know she knows that's not it. It has nothing to do with making me happy. It has everything to do with hopefully that I'm giving you enough of God's instruction that you realize the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning. The beginning of knowledge. That's kind of a weird place, isn't it? Like you start getting it when you realize that you're not in control. How many of you go on water skiing? Water skiing is really tough the first few times you go because you're convinced the hardest part of water skiing is what? For those you've been, getting up. Just getting up out of the water. Then the first time you got up, you discovered something. Whoa. Okay, so like we're up and we are moving. Like, and there are waves. Did you know boats make waves? And when the boat turns, that guy, I think the person driving knew that because I have to cut across these waves. Getting up was one thing. Staying up is a whole nother. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Realizing that God's actually in control is one place. But then you actually have to do what? You've got to live. Enter the book of Proverbs. 
but God gives us guidance for each and every day. I'm going to take you back uh, and look at a few verses right there in that front section. So we looked at verse 7, so we've been a few back, but here's Proverbs 1, 1 to 4. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing, tells you exactly what this book's going to do. It's going to help you in the parlance of water skiing, <laughs> it's going to help you stay up. It's going to help you from going under the water. But it doesn't mean that you're not what? doesn't mean you're not water skiing. You've seen me. It's not always pretty. We're tubing. There's a whole other realm. We're skiing. I was not very good at skiing. I was the guy that came back into the ski booth with one ski and a forlorn face from the rental area. Hi. Anticipating to be yelled at and having to pay for skis. And they looked at me and said, so you need another one, don't you? I said, I do. They said, you have no idea how many we find in the spring. I said, well, I'm hoping you find one more. But they were there to guide. They were there to care. We get so worried that if we fall off, everything's broken. Trust me, man, in high school, I knew how much skis cost. There's a reason I rented them. As a high schooler, I had calculated how many hours I would have to work to buy the skis that I thought I had just purchased. And the woman looked at me and said, we'll find them in the mouth. To understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Ladies and gentlemen, our nation's problems are where? Answered in this book. But they don't want to hear it. I mean, what's that great song my mom raised me on? Kids, what's the problem with kids today? Why can't they be like we were? Come on, someone else knows this song. Perfect in every way. Do you guys not know this? Come on, some of you show tune people. I know there are show tune people in here. It's Bye Bye Birdie. Thank you. This is how my mom shaped me. I'm sorry. Like, I live with these things. But again, understand, God's shaping us that we might be able to actually live as he would have us do, which isn't always what we want to do. More often than not, our trend is we want to go somewhere else. But we're looking in the wrong place. When wisdom's right in front of us, we've got it figured out. So there I am as a child. I am in Colorado. I am riding the Durango and Silverton Railroad. Going up the mountain, man. We, we are riding it. Huge cliff. Have you ever been out there? Huge mountain rock face. It's like the one they always take pictures of, and it's set there in the huge cliff, and the river's right below it. There's steam locomotives going. We're going set there. Rail cars there. Everybody's on one side. Mike Merker is on the other side of the car. And someone, this actually happens. Just you realize, you're not like, it's not like pastor making up like, ooh, this is a great train story, mate. This one really happens. So I'm, I'm there, and someone comes up to me and goes, hey, little man, why, why don't you come over and you can see the view? I said, no, 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 I'm good. I'm balancing out the car. I'm just doing my part. To, to balance out the car. I bring this up because it seemed wise to me. I didn't know enough physics to actually know that that was wrong and that the car, believe it or not, some engineer had actually designed the car so, trust me, humans could stand on one side and the passenger car was not going to tip over. But I thought I had it figured out. I had to stay on this side of the car because the wisdom that I had seemed appropriate. 
even though before me was one of the most majestic and beautiful views I ever could have seen, I chose that I wanted to watch the rock face on the other side going, yeah, rocks, love it. God had this tapestry on the other side, and I'm like, yeah, stone. And to an adult who got it, they looked and like, what is wrong with this child? Where are his parents? My parents are like, well, he's safe on the other side of the car. We're watching the view. But God does the same thing for us. God tells us, I've got this figured out for you. Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Man, I was leaning into it. Trust me, I was. I'm like all 72 pounds. I'm like, come on. I mean, I, I was putting it in there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. See, this is where it gets awesome. It's not just instruction. It's not just pithy sayings. Solomon writes and says, if you allow the word of the Lord to be something that you take into you, it will refresh your flesh. Anybody wake up tired? Anybody's bones ever ache? Anybody ever sore? Anyone ever been sore, but you're doing so well in the Lord that you don't feel sore? I've met many of you in the years that I have served in this church. Some of you who are soaring, though I know the medical diagnosis is not soaring. You sit there going, I'm all right. Because the Lord has given refreshment to your flesh and to your bones. See, something different comes upon you when the Lord steps into your life and starts to shape you. And it's not always going to make sense to the people around you. Permitting the Lord to be at your table, to acknowledge He can inform your steps, is actually to start with what? The fear of the Lord. See, we're right back at Proverbs 1, verse 7. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is acknowledging there is someone who can actually help you. The only reason I feared my father as a child growing up was what? Because my mom told me, when your dad gets home, I will tell him. I've told you this before. The funny thing is, my mom was the disciplinarian. It's really funny when I've evaluated my life. My mom was a disciplinarian. I was scared to death of my dad. She was like the best parent ever. <laughs> she got to do all the punishment, and I thought she was kind. It's weird. I'm going to tell your dad. I'm like, oh, I know what your punishment was. What would dad's be? So my dad's like, did you do it again? Yeah, I probably did. All right. They'll be scared of you for like 30 minutes. He's like, so they won't be around me for 30 minutes when I get home? No. To which he's like, you're the best wife ever. I've got 30 minutes to decompress when I get home. And then the kids will look at me with a smile and be like, oh, dearest father. I mean, it was great. It all worked out. But I do know this. My parents loved me so much, they were willing to do the most difficult thing. Punish. God's willing to make sure we know when we've stepped in the wrong place. He's willing to punish, and he's willing to punish himself for you. See, it's completely different than you would imagine. God takes that punishment for you. The father who's willing to make that turn. 
And his instruction is so much better than anything you can imagine. Look at Proverbs 8. Take my instruction instead of silver. <laughs> See, to people who don't go to church or who don't understand what the word of the Lord's doing, it seems so odd. So I'm going to hear somebody talk to me about an ancient text that's there like that. Yeah, because it's not a person talking to you. The best preacher is the one who doesn't get in the way of what God needs to say. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. So I'm going to take silver and gold, I'm going to trade those in, and I'm going to prefer to get instruction. For wisdom is better than jewels. See, a well-preached sermon is better than that statement you get when you go to get that ring appraised. And you get a big number. Unless you're worried about your insurance rate and having to carry a, a policy on that, then maybe you want a lower number. But I think you know where I'm headed, right? You see, it's not about the numeric value. God's got richer gifts for you. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Who's the her? The wisdom and the knowledge. We talked about this in Bible class uh, earlier this morning. The her refers to wisdom. In Hebrew, that word is a feminine word. That's why it's a, to a her, because it attaches, it, it points back. So many of you, <laughs> who likes language? A couple of you, I'm trying to teach you to like it a little bit more. Uh, but there's a referent. So the her has a referent. Who does it point back to? It's the challenge when your child comes in and says this. I can't believe he did it. He really did it to me. And she, she hit me, and then he did it. And then, you know, they came over, and, they t and you know, it was bad, because we're all upset. You have no idea what happened, right? Because there's no reference. You got to know who the her is. Well, the her is wisdom. The wisdom that God said he was going to relay to us. So that whoever finds me, whoever finds the one who is able to relay this knowledge and wisdom, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. See, these first nine chapters start to personify wisdom. So you have this discussion from Solomon. If you're not willing to engage in the wisdom of God, even though you would maybe not agree with this, you are chasing your own death. God goes, I want to save you from you. See, that's the story of the cross. It's Jesus dying to save where you were headed. Jesus dying, taking the substitute, being a father, willingly laying himself down before Roman authorities who only killed Jesus because they didn't want to create problems in Rome. They didn't want to kill him. Pontius Pilate did what? Oh, I washed my hands. Pilate could have stopped it all. But he knew he needed to keep his subjects happy. And keeping his subjects happy seemed to be that they wanted this guy gone. That's why Pilate keeps giving new options. Hey, take Barabbas, take others. But he wasn't willing to stand up for what was actually wise. He wasn't willing to make the move and say, I'm going to stop this atrocity before it goes further. Because he said, I'm just going to go along with the masses. It is time for each of us individually and corporately to stop going along with the masses. And to realize God is calling us to a different wisdom, to a different instruction, so that we may have life. For far too long, we've sought out these TED Talks instead of looking where the Lord walked. You want a simple talk, and you've you got the Son of Man who came to earth and who gives you and Solomon the wisest person ever, and you're like, you've got to see this guy I found online. He's really cool. I guarantee you he's not cooler than the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I guarantee it. 
And if you think he is cooler than the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords, then you've got the wrong King of Kings and Lord of the Lords in your mind. Because you do not understand how amazing God is if you think a TED Talk can beat God. Because I got something really cool for you. You know what? Every person who's ever given a TED Talk is made in God's image. A lot of them just don't know it. A lot of them have probably said TED Talks. Not a lot. Some have said TED Talks about how God doesn't exist. That's not a very good TED Talk. But they've tried it. Our gospel reading this morning takes us from John 21. As I talked about looking at TED Talks and where God walks, the disciples following the resurrection encounter Jesus as he's walking. A resurrected Jesus who's walking, who, ladies and gentlemen, guess whose flesh and bones have been refreshed? The very man they thought was dead. This is wisdom personified. So 153 fish, that's a lot of fish. How many of you have ever been fishing and caught 153? I, in one fishing day, we caught, I think, 42 croakers. And for a summer, ate them, because I didn't realize at the time that when you catch fish, you eat them. This is another thing my mom didn't teach me until after we started preparing them. And then my Uncle Bicky said, here is this cooler of fish. And my brother and I had this panic look going, why? <laughs> we just thought it was just something fun that you do in a boat. Well, the disciples did it for a life. A lot of them did. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. They saw the Lord walking. They watched the wisdom personified that God would set them free. Set them free from their perception, set them free from what they thought was happening. God isn't hiding from you. God is wide open in the scriptures. God is coming to you this day in his body and his blood to feed you so that you can say, man, I wish I knew where Jesus was because my life's falling apart right there. God promises this is my body and my blood. He is present in your life. He is present at the font. God isn't hiding. He's in front of you. We just have to let go of the baggage we're holding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.